Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Eight Online. We are in part four of our series here called Suit Up. We suit up depending on what occasion or what battle or, or what I'm doing. So in the same way to fight the invisible battles of this world, we want to suit up. Our subtitle of our series is called Divine Armor for Invisible battle, Battles. Divine Armor for Invisible Battles. Okay, so I wrote this, this like thing. It makes sense when I read it on my iPad, but uh, hopefully it makes sense when I kind of say it out loud. We have visible armor for visible battles. Like in this world, we have visible armor for visible battles. Like a soldier, he's going to put on visible armor for, for a visible battle of an enemy coming his way. Like something I think of, uh, like something that's normal in our life, maybe not really normal right now with a quarantine, is, is a seatbelt. A seatbelt is a visible armor for a visible battle. Like, it's, like I know visibly what happens if I get in an accident without my seatbelt. I, I visibly see that. So I'm going to have this visible armor to make sure to avoid that visible battle. Okay, so that's a visible armor for a visible battle. There is visible armor for an invisible battle. There's a visible armor for an invisible battle. For example, every hospital, everyone's going crazy to get gloves and masks and, and PPE, personal protection equipment. Everyone's going crazy to get that stuff. But these are visible armor for an invisible battle. Like this entire pandemic is caused by an invisible enemy. But we need visible armor because science, we're trusting the, the institutions, the CDC, World Health Organizations, we're, we're trusting the science that's showing what uh, the impact can occur from this virus. So we're, we're having visible armor for this invisible battle. You get this in everyday life too. Like, you know, put the coronavirus aside for a second. I know it's kind of hard, but put that aside for a second. You put visible armor in, in eating an orange, to eating healthy, to have a salad. Okay, you're eating a, a, an orange, like you've heard or you put trust that there is vitamin C in it. You've heard and you put your faith in what you've read or what you've heard about orange having vitamin C. You also put your trust that vitamin C is good for your immune system, okay? So this is a visible armor for an invisible battle. You're eating something visible, but there's something invisible. You don't know about the chemical reactions or the nutrition that occurs internally that's, that's equipping you to fight this invisible battle from any type of sickness. So that's a visible armor for an invisible battle. This is visible. You and I hopefully do the sign of the cross. We do, this is an ancient custom, an ancient tradition that goes back centuries. It's a visible armor for an invisible battle. Lord, I want, because this is, this is what overcame death. What occurred on this cross overcame death. The, the God-man who was on this cross overcame death. So I want that power, that, that victory, just as he overcame death itself. Man, the, the, the selfish thought, this prideful thought, I want that. And I do the sign of the cross, and, you, and, and we see it all throughout history, throughout ancient Christian history, that the sign of the cross is victory, is life. Is, this is how I fight visible and invisible battles, because what was won on the cross overcame every battle. So I want to tap into that reality, and for that to become a reality in my life. So there's visible armor for visible battles, visible armor for an invisible battle, and then there's invisible armor for invisible battles. Invisible armor for invisible battles, okay? You're told to wash your hand as much as physically possible without making your skin bleed to death. You're, you're called to, to, to wash your hands and use hand sanitizer and do all that good stuff. That's, it's an invisible armor. You don't understand how the soap and bubbles and all that kind of stuff is working, but it's invisible armor for an invisible battle. You, 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 you and I don't get it, or at least I don't. I don't understand how like the soapy water is, is going to like, you know, fight the virus or whatever, but I put my trust, I put my faith and how this has worked throughout the centuries for so many people, I put my trust in that. 
So there's an invisible armor for an invisible battle. St. Paul talks about the same thing. This man of so much boldness and integrity and confidence is trying to equip the people of Ephesus, and he's trying to equip us. There's also an invisible battle around you all the time, and you have to equip yourself for it. You equip yourself to fight the invisible battle of coronavirus by washing your hand and, 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 and practicing social distancing. You also have to have an invisible battle, invisible armor on you to fight the other invisible battles that are trying to tear you, are trying to tear your marriage, are trying to tear your friendships, are trying to tear your career, trying to, uh, trying to tear up your core being apart. But we have to put on this armor to fight those battles that are around us. This is why St. Paul said this, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Put on the entire armor to, to, to protect yourself from, from head to toe to fight against the deceiving strategy of the devil. He continues, he says this, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The, the imagery and the, the picture that he's painting is he's trying to drill a message to us. He's using a visible imagery to point us to an invisible truth. So he's saying the, the centerpiece of your armor has to be truth. You have to make sure that your breastplate is, you have a, a moral compass, that you have your, your, ethic, your ethical code is set right. You have to have righteousness. That's your breastplate. Then you have to make sure where you're walking, that your feet have to be, have to be covered with peace. But peace is not a temporary thing like we talked about last time in part three. Peace is not just a, uh, it's not related to the, the pace of life. It's not related to what's going on in, in, in the world. It's a person. And that person transcends all the temporal uh, crisis and highs and lows of this temporal world. But I have to embrace that reality of the one who is the king of peace in order for me to have the purest essence of what peace is. This is why we sing, O King of Peace, grant us your peace. Establish for us your peace. I had a conversation with somebody recently um, that, that, that is a, who deconverted from Christianity. Like somebody who was like born and raised Christian and, and this person kind of stepped away. And this person was telling me, I, I don't do guilt. I don't do guilt. Because I grew up like guilt is what the church tried to make me feel was feel bad and stuff. So I don't do guilt. I said, okay. Let's, let's, let's put any faith context away from it. Guilt, like what is guilt? Guilt is a byproduct that I'm doing something wrong. Well, if I'm doing something wrong, then there has to be a right. So there has to be truth. Like to everything in life, there has to be truth. So to say I don't do guilt, you're, you're, you're saying in essence that I'm always right and everyone else is always wrong. If, if you don't do guilt, you remove guilt, you remove that emotion altogether, that means you're always right and everyone is wrong, or you're saying there is no such thing as right or wrong. So th this is why St. Paul, this is why Jesus makes a big deal of saying, I am the truth, I am the way, I am the life, and I have come to make all things new, I have come to bring rest. This rocked the world 2,000 years ago. This is what made Christianity so appealing and attractive. And we are called and invited to embrace the same reality and the same joy and the same liberty that they found in embracing the person of the God-man, Jesus of Nazareth. All right. St. Paul has said, okay, you need to have truth. Okay, you need to have righteousness. You need to have peace. You need to make sure you have your, your waist of truth, your breastplate of righteousness. Make sure you have peace. And then he completely changes the tone, uses a different language, and he continues in verse 16. He says this, above all, above all, 
Take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So up to now, he's saying, make sure you have this, have this, have this, have this. So he keeps saying, have this. And all of a sudden, he says, take. He says, above all, take. So now, like, the level of, of importance or priority of this armor is above everything else. He says, have this. But then he's saying, you need to take up, above all, take the shield of faith. So believe it or not, like, when St. Paul's writing this, this wasn't in English, okay? This was in Greek, okay, when he originally wrote this. So I can find more uh, meaning and more emotion of what St. Paul is writing to the city of Ephesus, if I look at the original language, okay, this is where I can kind of find more of the essence or the psychology of what's going on in Paul's mind for him to write the way he's writing. So St. Paul is saying this, if I look at, 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 the, at the pure essence of the Greek, he's saying even when we say, um, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench. He's saying with which you will be able to, he's saying take the shield of faith in which you will be able to. The phrase in which you will be able to like the Greek is dynamis, which is the word where we get the word dynamite. So if I, if I do a literal translation from the Greek to, to English, he's basically saying this. Above all, take the shield of faith by which you will be able to be dynamically empowered. Take the shield of faith in which you will be able to be dynamically empowered. Who wouldn't want to be dynamically empowered? I mean, that, that sounds so attractive. I can be dynamically empowered if I take up the shield of faith. Before we get into what is the shield of faith, if I don't, if I don't take a shield of faith like to fight the invis invisible battles of this world, if I don't take a shield of faith to protect me, so I guess let me take a step back. Historically, this is a, a four feet by two feet shield that, would, that, that if I, if I you know, kind of squat as a soldier, this will protect every part of my body. Um, th that, that's the shield. So I'm called to take up that. But let's say I don't take a shield of faith. Like if I, if I look at it allegorically, if I don't take a shield of faith, or I don't, let's use, I'm going to use the word faith and trust uh, interchangeably. So if I don't put trust in someone or something, then the opposite is I'm only relying on myself. If I don't trust someone, something or someone else, I'm only following my logic. If a soldier goes out to war and he says, Man, that, that last meeting was lame with the captain. Or I, I, I'm not going to follow any of that. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm just going to try to like, you know, kill as many people as I, as I possibly can in this battle. If I do that, I'm only trusting my logic. And you know statistically what happens if a soldier kind of does his own thing and completely avoids the game plan that was set uh, for, to win the battle. So if, if, if I'm not putting my trust in a game plan or to, to the commander-in-chief, then you, you know what's going to happen, okay? I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. You know what happens in a physical battle. Or if I do my own thing right now with the coronavirus, I say, man, forget the social distancing, forget all that kind of stuff, I'm gonna do my own thing. Okay, let the CDC tell you what will happen. Okay, let statistics tell you what will happen. So if, if, I'm, if I'm not putting my trust or faith in someone or something else, I'm only following my logic. And you know what happens when you follow your own logic. If I don't take up a shield of faith or trust, I'm only trusting in myself. Okay, let me give you a practical example. Okay, again, this is a common thing of life besides the coronavirus right now is getting on a plane. By the way, I heard flights are like dirt cheap, but don't, don't, don't be tempted by that. But that's a different, let me, let's get back on track here. So uh, you put your trust and your faith in a plane, okay? 
You cannot explain to me, well, I, I think, unless you're into aviation, you can't explain to me how this entire tube of, of metal and nails flies 30,000 feet in the air, it, it, it's flying in the air and carrying hundreds of people. Okay, you can't explain that, like, but you put your trust, right? You book a flight, uh, you go to Google Flights, and you, you book a flight, you go to Delta.com, and you book a flight. You don't sit there and say, okay, what are the credentials here of, of Delta's corporation? Okay, who's, who's, who's going to be the captain of this flight that I'm taking next week? Okay, what, what's his credentials? Where did he graduate from? Like, you know, how long has, like, you don't, you put your trust in, 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 in aviation. You put your trust in the metal and the nails of it. You put your trust in the ones that, that verify all that. You put your trust in, 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 the, in Delta. You put your trust in the physics of aviation. You put your trust in that. And when you put your trust and faith in aviation and in, in the airline industry, you're able to get to your destination. You're able to get your destination. We apply this in the temporal world on so many things. I just gave one lame example of aviation. Do we apply that on, on the, the, the other aspects of our life? Where do we put our trust and our faith in? Or we just put it on, on what's best for me? We have to put our faith and trust in the one who has it all in the palm of his hand. We do that with everything else, but we don't do that with God. Not God, with our heavenly Father. Faith is the product of divine reliance. Faith is the product of divine reliance. I'm relying on someone bigger than me. I first acknowledge I'm temporal. He's eternal. I'm limited. He's unlimited. So I'm going to put my trust in him. So faith is the product of divine reliance. But again, it's not just me saying like I have faith. Like I'm, I'm kind of using the words interchangeably between faith and, and trust, and I'll, and I'll explain why later. But like... This is something active. This is something dynamic, okay? It's not just, I have faith, I have faith. I can't say, let's say right now I say, you know, I have faith that there is a way for us to, to live broadcast uh, the eight to online since we can't meet physically together. I have faith. I have faith there is a way. I have faith. I can say that all day, but then what am I doing? Like, yeah, I can say I have faith, but it requires me to have action. So before this, I had to like, Google a bunch of stuff to figure out how do we do this? How do we do a live streaming, you know, from my office here at my home? In order, in order for, for, our, for our church family to grow together. Like, I say I have faith, but it requires me to have action. So faith is active. Faith is dynamic. Active faith is the shield that I need to take up in order to fight the invisible battles of this world. There's a funny... Uh, there's a funny uh, meme that I saw about the whole coronavirus. So one of my favorite movies is Aladdin. Like Aladdin is one of my favorite movies, and uh, in Aladdin, um, like Aladdin kept on telling Jasmine, uh, "Do you trust me? Do you trust me?" So in order for her to have new life, she had to put her trust in Aladdin. So the the meme, maybe I'll put it up on the screen, is him give, uh, Aladdin giving Jasmine some hand sanitizer. So uh, I thought that was funny. But moving on, anyway, faith taking taking the shield of faith, or or is 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 what I need in order to fight the invisible battles. I have to put trust in not just myself as a soldier, not just myself as an individual. I have to put my trust into someone bigger than me. And I want to make a, a big point here is, is, is this, and something I, I, I try to mention I, I, as much as possible here at the eight. This is vital for ancient Christianity. This is vital for our pre-denominational faith in Orthodox Christianity. Our faith 
does not exist just because the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me not just because the Bible tells me so. Let's take a step, step back before you kind of close this out or kind of give me a hard time about that statement. If I'm meeting someone that, you know, maybe doesn't do the whole Christian thing, doesn't do any faith thing, and they ask me, what, what, like, why? Like, why, why are you dressed like that? Why, do you, why, why Jesus? Why, why can't you just live a good life and be nice to people and, and live a loving life? Like, why do you have to do all that? I'm not going to begin my response by saying, well, the Bible says this. The Bible says that. Because to him, the Bible is nothing. The Bible is nothing. So how can I use that as a framework for my conversation? What I want to say, th this is my answer. This is my honest answer when everyone gives me like a second look at the grocery store and everyone's like, what on earth? Like, this is my answer. Like, when they ask me, well, why do you do this? And this should be your answer as well. If you're trying to pursue the fullness of Christianity and Orthodox Christianity, this is what you should say. Say, you know what? I put my trust and I pursue the life of Jesus because there were tons of people around Jesus who experienced his life 2,000 years ago who were skeptics, who were skeptics. And they recorded and, and wrote down their first eyewitness experience of Jesus's life. And if anyone predicts their own death, then rises from the dead, and then has breakfast on the beach the next day, I go with anything he says. I go with whatever he says. This is my answer. Why am I an Orthodox Christian? Is that if, if someone can predict their own death, then overcome death itself and rise from the dead and then have breakfast on the beach the next day, I go with whatever he says. My life is not on me anymore. Now my life is on him. And then to even add more to that, that everything that's recorded, it's not recorded by someone like in a closet saying, okay, you know, there was one time about a rabbi named Jesus. No, all of this is real life. These are recorded by skeptics and they write down their, their, their vulnerability, their hesitations, their fear, and they record how their life has been transformed internally how their life has been rocked because what they experienced by this rabbi who they eventually found out is divinity and humanity fused into one person when they experienced jesus of nazareth their life was never the same this is why i pursue jesus this is why i pursue not just because the bible tells me so the bible documents the bible is a series of books it's like it don't look at it as just one book it's a library of books that record this and these jewish people that that ended up becoming followers of Christ. Now all of Jewish history makes sense. Now all of Jewish history, all of the Old Testament, all the Torah has come to completion, has come to fullness now because they saw this Jewish man is the God man. And their life was never the same when they embraced and put their trust and faith in Jesus. There's an early Christian by the fourth century. His name is St. Athanasius, the apostolic. His name is Athanasius. This man was Egyptian. This man was a Coptic Orthodox Christian. Uh, and he was one of the pioneers and leaders of putting the Bible together around the year like 393. He was one of the leaders of putting the Bible and which we know today together. He took all these manuscripts, all these scrolls, all these books, and they came together and put it together. So he was one of the leaders who put this book together. And he said this about it, the Bible. He says, the entire Holy Scripture is a teacher of virtues. The entire Holy Scripture is a teacher of virtues and of truths of faith. If I'm wanting to find who I trust or who I should put my faith in. The Bible is where I find that, okay? So I, it, it's not just because the Bible says I should have faith, but no, it's because these are recorded by people who were skeptics, who had their life transformed, who were better people because they put their life in Jesus's hands. So the Bible is what records that. This is where I find the truths of faith, as St. Athanasius says. 
Truths of faith is found as what's recorded in the scripture. Just to give two examples of this. St. Peter was a very, you know, he liked to speak a lot. He was uh, an extrovert, if you will, um, and, a, and a follower of Christ. He records that, like, this experience that he had with Jesus on the boat one time. And Jesus says, hey, put out your net again. And, and Peter didn't really want to. His logic said no, but he put his trust, he put his faith in the one who is above logic. And his life was not the same because he experienced supernatural. He, he experienced a supernatural event. He experienced life in Jesus. So he put the rest of his life in his hand. So what St. Peter said, he says, I've been fishing all night. I'm kind of tired, but at your word, I'll give this a shot. We're called to do the same. Saying, you know what? I'm trying to do this in my life and I'm trying to think I think I can do it my, my, by myself, but I can't. But at your word, God, I will put my life in your hand. I will allow you to, 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 to make the path in which I'm, that I, I desire life. I desire peace. I'm trying to do it by myself, but at your word, nevertheless, at your word, I'll put my trust in you. And you see what happened to the life of St. Peter. You see what happened to the life of millions of other followers of, of Christ. What happened to them when they took up the shield of faith and trust and putting their trust in Jesus. You and I are not any different. You and I are not any different. St. Paul says it this way. He tells the Hebrews this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let us lock our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. My faith of where my trust should be needs to begin and end with the one who is the fullness of life himself. This is where it needs to begin, and this is where it needs to end. Now I want to share with you what happens when I move away what happens when I move away from the author and finisher of my faith? What happens when I move away from not picking up the, the, the shield of faith or the, uh, or the shield of trust? Uh, when I don't pick that up, listen to this beautiful, uh, beautiful words by a Russian Orthodox priest. He said this around the year 1890. Listen to what he has to say. The farther Christians remove themselves from the spirit of their faith, the more they become divided by self-love the more they are absorbed in themselves. Love becomes exhausted in them and mankind more distressed. I love these words by this, by this Orthodox priest by the name of St. John. If, if I don't embrace who I should put my trust in and I kind of do things myself, I'll become exhausted. Everything centers around self-love but I want to put my trust and my faith in taking up the shield of trust and faith, which is in Jesus itself, himself. Now what happens? Now what happens? What's the evolution? What's the transformation that occurs when I do take up the shield of faith and trust? What happens when I do decide to, to fight these invisible battles, to fight the pressures and tough decisions in my life, to fight this pain, if I decide to, to fight the, 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 the tough things of this world, if I decide to fight it by taking up my, this, the shield of faith and put my trust in him, listen to these beautiful words that occurs. This is written by an, uh, by an early Christian father around the year 360 A.D., his name is St. Gregory of Nyssa, St. Gregory of Nyssa. Uh, and uh, your FYI fun fact, his brother is a, is a famous guy himself. His name is St. Basil, uh, who is uh, the, the, the author of our liturgy that we pray 
on Sundays, St. Basil the Great. So this is what St. Gregory had to say. This is a transcript of a, of a sermon that he gave on the Feast of Resurrection. Listen to these beautiful words as far as what occurs when I pick up uh, the shield of faith. What happens? What's the transformation that occurs when I do put my trust in God? Faith is the womb that conceives new life. Baptism is the rebirth by which it is brought forth into the light of day. The church is its nurse. Her teachings are its milk. The bread from heaven is its food. It is brought to maturity by the practice of virtue. It is wedded to wisdom. It gives birth to hope. Its home is the kingdom. Its rich inheritance, the joys of paradise. Its end, not death, but the blessed and everlasting life prepared for those who are worthy. Aren't those beautiful? I mean, just, just capturing the first sentence. Faith is the womb that conceives new life. Trust in someone bigger than myself. And I, and I cover myself and, 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 and lean in toward this shield of faith. This is how I'm able to conceive new life. And if that's the catalyst, that's the thing that St. Paul says is above all, and I take that and use that to protect myself to fight the invisible battles, just listen to the transformation, the, the, the evolution of what occurs once I conceive new life in faith. Read, go back, if, if you have time, read that quote again. I love it. Faith is, is, is the womb that conceives new life. Let us embrace, let us take up the shield of faith and trust. Not on ourselves, not what we think is best, but put my trust in someone bigger than myself. This is where I can find new life. This is where I can embrace his peace and his love to get me not there just through the, the temporal battles in this world, but for me to enjoy my eternal home with him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, it is so easy for us just to do what's best for me. It's so easy for me to, to center everything around self-love. It's so easy for me just to trust myself. But Lord, if I trust the, the, the person at the grocery store, if I trust the food I eat, if I trust you know, the pilot on a plane, if I, trust, if I put trust in so many other things, why don't I put the trust in the bigger things in the world in you? Lord, help me to embrace that. Help me to take steps throughout, throughout this quarantine or even beyond this time for me to put my trust and faith in you. Because, Lord, you are the one who gave transformational life to millions of other people before me. And I want the same. Through the prayers of St. Paul the Apostle and all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, hope to see everyone soon, either online or in person soon. God willing. Take care.